Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello! Listen, you smell something? Put that cookie down! Welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Chancellor. I'm Josh. And today we're, we're fans, we're filmmakers, and we're fumbling around without our uh, leader, Fearless I leader, guess. Shane, Fearless leader. Fearless like, leader. Shane, because yeah. we figured, you know, it's like podcasts are like pirate radio, which means we go by maritime law, which means we had a mutiny and we kicked him off. He's now in the sea of the web. Uh, and as such, we decided to talk about the one subject that I don't think Shane has Wants any say on. No. <laughs> uh, you know, I, don't, I, I don't think no. he knows much about this. Uh, it's his own feature film, Red, Red Curtain, Curtain Hell. Hell. Uh, Timed. Today, uh, we have a very special guest. He is uh, 20 years a teacher. He did stuff on Goosebumps, the TV podcast show, virgin. season two. Uh, he's a podcast virgin. He's taught us everything we know, or at least some things we know. <laughs> one it's class and trying to do one class. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do another class. It's Jeff Hughes. Oh, Ripple Meet, Ripple Beach Beach Media. Media. You almost said Ripple Meach Media, <laughs> <I did laughs> which would have been incorrect. But salutations. The month is June, and I'm here. Excellent. There's a cat uh, scratching in the background. Yes, we have a, a cat host. Cat, do you have much to say? No, not really. Uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, what you do, mm. what you've done, how you got roped into this. How I got roped into this. I, I like to help my students past and present. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, podcast. Yeah. It's, it's the way of now. It's what we should be doing, right? So I'm here. I'm talking with you guys. And uh, yeah, love and life. That, that's that, what we do. That's what, what we we're love. all about, loving life. Uh, but before we get on to our main subject, as every week, we ask, what have you been watching? I'll start with you, Josh. Oh, it's so good to be back. Um, oh. what have You've been watching? gone for like a month. What have you watched in that month? You can just be the last week. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I didn't watch much before the last couple of weeks. Because <laughs> you yeah. were working so much, which is why you weren't here. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I watched Hereditary. Have you Ooh. seen that yet? No, I haven't. Damn it. Look, Ooh. I can't watch it with my wife because my wife will be very scared. I had the best experience though. Completely empty theater. Oh, oh just, that'd be terrifying. It, it was terrifying because have you heard of the, the click? No, I haven't heard no, of the okay. click. Never mind. All right. There's a certain- Isn't that Avengers? No. There's a certain sound effect and they played it on the left speaker behind my head <laughs> in a completely empty theater. And I was like- Fucking Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. But it was the best, though, because I could vocalize all my fears. No, that's Really that's loudly. Good. My girlfriend and I were just like, ah, <laughs> just screaming. Beautiful. Like, so it was a great time. Um, reminded me heavily of Rosemary's Baby and The Witch. Very much like The Witch. Both right. A24 releases. Cool, um, cool. Tony Collette should maybe get an Oscar. She, she killed it. She was, you, was you've like, heard it here today, people. Yeah, I put my money on it. Putting <laughs> money on Tony Collette. Sports um, bet. But no, I think every single person shot in this movie was like just harrowing experience about grief and depression. And then it worked on so many levels, like on two cool. levels, both as a horror film, both as like a family drama. It was like, oh, excellent. Blended it like expertly. And it's a feature debut as well. And I was just like, what? Really? Yeah. Um, Ari wow. Us, I think that's the actually, I don't want to mispronounce the name. Yeah, but, but someone's name. Someone's name. And they did an excellent job. And I can't wait to see what they do next because it was a fun time. Um, and a scary time. Cool. And Fun we watched scary. it at like 9.30 at night and we didn't get out to 12 and the theater was empty. So oh, double, double the scares. Uh, the other film I watched was Solo. I don't know if you uh, Yeah, we yet. talked about Solo yeah. on our last, last it episode. Was a, it was a fun time. It yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, it wasn't it was, bad. It wasn't the worst. They've now stopped making a Star Wars story, so they put them on hold indefinitely, apparently. Which I'm fine with. Yeah, you know. I'm fine with. <laughs> I, I don't they need... Could've, they could have done the Blumhouse model, done low budget. Yeah, that would have been fun. But no, they, they fucked up. Like oh. little indie dramas, like Kitchen Sink 
dramas. Max Rebo. Yeah. Inside Lewin Davis, but with Max Rebo. It's just the whole series of Uncle Ben and that just hanging out. Uncle Ben, Uncle Owen. Yeah, uh, Uncle Owen. Sorry, wrong. The, the Uncle series. The Uncle series. Yeah. Uh, right. It's the Uncle The Dead Uncle Society. <laughs> um, yeah, so the solo. What else? Probably just some other things. Probably some other things. Oh, wait, though. I think those are the two main ones I need to yeah, discuss. Yeah, they're, they're the one, the big yeah. ones. Uh, Jeff, yeah. what have you been watching? Well, I've been sitting here thinking the only thing scarier than watching Hereditary um, <laughs> with your girlfriend and nobody in the theater would be is if there was a bunch of family members with you being the <laughs> Terrible. The title always... is mm. Hereditary, and mm. Solo, you probably watch that by yourself. Um, <laughs> I like that idea of only watching movies the way the movie is described. Exactly. You know, some of the horrors. So might inside be a out. Bit, uh, oh god. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Good point, good point Josh. <laughs> it's instantly. All right. Inside yeah. Louis Davis. It, it's, it's, so inside Oscar Isaac or inside yeah. the real? In, like, yeah. I don't know. How about being John Malkovich? Oh, oh that'd wow. Be difficult. Honestly, that would be only, only like he that's could the way that. of the future. <laughs> that's the virtual reality experience coming re-release. Yes, right. you put on VR goggles. The 25th you are anniversary. John Malkovich yeah. watching being John Malkovich. I'm oh, but he doesn't watch his own films though. So that's oh really? Yeah, no. Oh, he's missing out. He's done some good movies. So he's really doing the opposite of what we're. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but if we, if we John Malkovich him, we force him to watch his own movies, and he hates uh, us. Uh, anything else? We're going down a spiral. Yeah, we've gone down a spiral. <laughs> oh look, yeah, and you're you're talking to somebody who teaches cinema history. So the most recent movie I've watched. Historically, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. Like I, I've been taking, uh, I've been taking my boys to movies lately. So um, nice. I've done the, I've done the Marvel stuff. I saw Black Panther. I've cool. seen um, Infinity War, and 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 those are good fun because you know you you ramp yourself up to a, a certain expectation when you go in, and they delivered as far as I'm concerned. No, nah, good. You nice. know, we're well, not talking about um, mind blowing. Oh my god, I didn't know that was going to happen. But uh, no, they were enjoyable experiences. Well yeah. made. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's what movies should just do. I mean, not all movies, but some movies like Fast and Furious 8. No, 7. Which was the last good one? Yeah. Are any of them I really don't know. good? I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I, I've missed the first three. The first movie? 2000? No, see, I found the first one very... It was the stealing it's a DVDs. remake of Point Break. Before yeah, the remake of Point Break. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, anything else, Jeff? Oh, look. Um, being John Malkovich. <laughs> no, no, I was saying being me. Um, <laughs> and, and and loving documentary. I watch a lot of little docos lately. Oh, so right. that takes up quite a bit of time. And when you spend your evenings editing, um, yeah. you know, you're not really in the mindset to watch a feature film at 9 a.m. in the morning. So yeah, no, no. Uh, mostly mostly some smaller docos and and kids stuff because I'm that kind of friendly. <laughs> Um, dad, friendly <laughs> dad that does the right thing. So, ah, see, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad I don't have kids. Uh, mainly because uh, kids TV really freaks me out. I, I oh man, what was it? Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah. Oh my god, Yo Jesus, Gabba that Gabba. thing was like terrifying. Yeah, but I the swear. best, the best thing about Yo Gabba Gabba was the was the DJ guy. Yeah. Oh, the DJ yeah. was so fun, <laughs> and I just what liked watching him dance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kids' TV is well and truly over for me, though. My boys are 16, 14, and 10, so it's, yeah, do they have oh, a sniff good. of a PlayStation or a, a, a <laughs> DS, and, yeah, they're gone. In, oh, in that's the mobile device, any You never have to device. see them again. Yeah. Um, what have I been watching? See, yeah. this is why it sucks being the, like, lead yeah. host guy. I was, you, you didn't let us oh, go sorry. into it um, yet. Yeah. Josh, Trust, so have... what have you been watching? Oh, well, glad you asked. Uh, well, I went and saw uh, a bit, very busy week. I've finally had, like, a chance to breathe, so I've been watching a lot of stuff that was intending to lead up to something else that I didn't see, so I watched The Witch. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah. Intending to watch Hereditary. Have you seen it before, or was it the first time? No, I hadn't. First Ooh. time I saw it. Okay. I really liked it. Um, I found the uh, I, I, the acting, the fact that they were able to pull off like speaking that old timey English in a way that felt natural, mm. r- r- really like sold me into this world. Um, and the whole end scene with the goat, that was <laughs> so like oh, oh, man. I'm glad I didn't watch it with my wife because my wife is very afraid of like supernatural possession stuff. So, th- so specifically the yeah. anti goat. Yeah, anti. She's very anti goat, man. I one think... time we saw a goat. Uh, it's like tied up in our house near our house, and oh. she was terrified. Jesus, all right. Yeah, yeah she's not a fan of goats. It's uh, suburban Brisbane. A goat tied up to. Yeah, it's really bizarre. That's terrifying. It's actually a council bylaw that any goat must be tied up. Oh, uh, oh. 
Well, Don't know if you're joking, but I am. I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. No, normally I am joking, but this this is not. This is serious. Mind guys, serious make sure guys. You... I know my goats. <laughs> Goat laws. Um, I also watched uh, Incredibles uh, again. Yes, that's the other. Really yeah. love that love first it. movie. Um, mm-hmm. It was funny because uh, Shane and his sister had just watched it beforehand, and they told us to rewatch because we're going to watch uh, Incredibles two, and. Yeah, she. they said one thing that ruined the whole experience for me. Not the whole experience. It's the fact that because of the technology at the time, all of the backgrounds are very empty. That is the most yeah. empty city ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and it's really funny watching the Incredibles. It's like old school, like, matte painting almost. Or like, just it is, like, which is really good. It's very comic booky, which is like Brad Bird, like, early 60s comic book pulp like stuff. It feels like empty, empty, like, scapes. Well, one thing we didn't notice until this time watching it, it was based in the 60s. Yeah. I never, like, like the, the whole I, saying I know, of it I reckon, makes sense. I reckon the, like, prologue like, in the past, like, 50s or 60s, and then it's in the 70s or 80s? It's in the fifth, the prologue's in the 50s, and then it's 15 years later, it's the 60s. So, we we Wikipedia'd it afterwards, because okay. we were like, wow, it's so retro. Because, like, the art, like, style feels like yeah. it's boring on 70s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, the uh, then we watched the second one right after that, and it. it was so funny watching the fact that, it was so full, and it's like the scene. It, it picks up right where the last one yeah. left off with with the, with the Undertaker and the Underminer. In, in Underminer, sorry. the Undertaker, wrestling. yeah, the wrestler, <laughs> uh, and the entire scene is so much more full. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I wish do I didn't notice. Re, did they redo the scene where they leave the parking lot in the same conversation, or does it start when it's like, oh, they had the masks on? Uh, it, it's because that would be if they redo it, it'd feel like more natural if it's more full. But if they just do it like straight from like. No, it, it happens there. from a different point of view. So it starts from a different point of view cool. and then you see it play out. That's cool. Uh, but very, very fun. Um, I've probably seen other movies, but one movie I watched last night with its director's commentary is our topic of the day, Red Curtain Hell. Segway, segway, segways. segways. I'm segways. so good at that. Now, uh, this, this episode will have huge spoilers for Red Curtain Hell. So if you haven't already seen it, go to vimeo.com slash on demand slash Red Curtain Hell. Thank you for the nod, Zane. Glad. Uh, what's our, uh, our, our code? Offer code? 20%, 20% off. 15. Picture Rangers. Picture if you put in the uh, code Picture Rangers, you'll get 20% off your rental or purchase. That was a flawless execution. Mm. And it was actually more smooth than any time Shane's ever done. But it. So, yeah. Do yeah. it now. He pauses podcast. Yeah, pause the podcast. Watch it first. Come yeah, back. Watch that. Come back. Because we're going to be talking this. about everything. Uh, we'll give you like time to do that. Do it now. Dun, 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 How are you guys doing? Dun, dun. You doing good? Having a good, good, good time? A, a little bit of elevator music is what yeah, we yeah, need. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's enough time. I'm sure everyone has uh, either this will be our least listened to podcast or <laughs> Shane will get a bunch of watches for Red Cat in Hell. It's a gamble, you know? Either or. It's like Shane's just tearing his hair out right now, probably. Exactly. So let's uh, start we off with We love you, our, Shane. Uh, so we're doing a detailed analysis of it, which oh, is detailed. why we've interviewed, uh, why we've got Jeff here, because you're our lecturer who did analyses and stuff. I'm all about the detail. Goats. Goats <laughs> and detail. Goats and details. That's what he That's knows. What know. uh, you uh, read my wonderful analysis of Highlander 2, possibly the greatest movie of all time. Uh, I believe you gave me an HD for that. Don't blame me. It's an excellent movie. Did you watch it? Who wants to live forever? Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> Highlander is a legendary, legendary story. Absolutely. And Highlander 2 is just as legendary. But uh, yeah, so let's uh, start off by discussing the plot of Red Curtain Hell. Who wants to go first? Ah, oh, look, the, the plot of Red Curtain Hell starts off... Are you at- like, because you've got a cheeky smile on your face, are you purposely <laughs> going to say it incorrectly just to piss off Shane? No, I'm just happy. this is a proper detailed analysis. Can't I be happy, Chancellor? No. Fuck. This All is right. not a happy movie. All right. So the plot of Red Curtain Hell is that it starts... The director of Hamlet... Is it Hamlet? Yeah, it's Hamlet. Yeah, it's meant to be Hamlet. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're the one who's watched it because Jeff and I both watched it last night yeah. and you've watched it like what four months ago three months ago yeah like I own it I also have your DVDs too I need to get that oh, back to you oh that's where my DVDs went yeah cool. it's in my like borrow drawer but Excellent. the Thank plot you. is a very angry director <laughs> yeah a very angry director um, comes to, basically it's a f- like a you know, like it's a f- play of Hamlet's meant to be happening tonight. it's the premiere it's a big deal for the director and um, he specifically cut it down to 90 90 Minutes, so it's a very short version of Hamlet. It's nice. the abridged version. The abridged He's version. Cut out all the boring bits, and it's essentially 
the story of what happens. His magnum opus. On stage, on behind stage, stage, behind the scenes. In real time. Everything goes wrong. Yes. Yep. Uh, Jeff, want to add holds. anything to all of the nonsense we just... Uh, you know, I'm comparing it to Cozzy on Ritlin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cozzy on Ritlin. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, very interesting, Ritlin. very interesting take on uh, um, putting something, taking something cinematic in the theater and, and, and putting it forward. It was um, confusing. Liked it. He's Parts of it were <laughs> challenging. Um, but you know what? I would recommend people see it completely because um, uh, I just feel educated for having seen it. <laughs> You've learned more learnt, about... Learnt more. You haven't met Shane, have you? I haven't I, met I, Shane. I feel like you know Shane more than most people now. <laughs> I did I did a little bit of a search for him on the old FB. Digging. I see who uh, mutual friends we had in common, <laughs> et cetera, and making the connections, yeah. But, uh, no, I think um, it was quite a... Um, aspiring challenge to, to see it pull together. And, and I, I really appreciate the, the filmmaking craft that went into it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, definitely. Right. Uh, the, I'll talk about that later, but uh, first let's discuss the main themes that he explored in this story. Uh, did you guys have any takes on this at all? I also added genre because I don't know what other than dark comedy, what genre this would fit into. Uh, yeah. No, dark comedy to prove it's just dark comedy. It is it is like weaves in like sort of conventional like Shakespeare, Shakespeare themes like hubris and stuff. Yeah, well, well. absolutely. Like, yeah. Um, Shakespeare is one of the big parts yeah, of the interwoven in within like the like the scripts and the text itself, but all like in like the characters themselves. There's just like just mm. this hyperbolic version, like basically like old school, everyone's like enunciated real loud, and everyone's just like it's just taking an extra step just to dig the knife, and so it's just. In just bad people as well. Bad, bad people bad. is a good theme. Yeah, good theme. Jeff, any one uh, one thing that you you can rely on when you've got something like Shakespeare in uh, in a film is that you can go back to it at any time because you've got a text there that's been tried and, and true for quite a long time. So you know if you're struggling with something creatively in the film, you don't know how to uh, approach something. You can go back to go back to the original Shakespeare script. Um, use a bit of that as a foundation, and then and then use it to spring off. There's a cat right right behind. <laughs> yeah, I just saw him. Yeah, I saw jump him over head to up. your chair. I like that actually. <laughs> this is an added element to the podcast now. Yeah. Now featuring cats. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. More cats. Um, yeah, you can use it as a not a crutch at all, mm. but you can use it as a, a um a foundation to reset your vision going forward in the scene. So, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, cool. Uh, I, I think. Uh, one of the main themes that I really noticed this time watching it was the, um, the the theme of the spotlight and how everyone is trying to get that power, trying to get that spotlight, much like a lot of the hubris and, you know, Shakespearean characters. Um, and uh, the way Shane explores that using the camera is very interesting. Uh, there's the, the scene of the character coming out, Simon coming out to his mum, and the way that was shot was very purposeful in, in illustrating that theme in the sense that it's, it's a young boy who's trying to come out as gay to his mother. And it starts off just a conventional one shot on him. Cause this is his moment, his story, his center frame and over the shoulder from him onto his mum. And then as the scene goes on, uh, it's not that the mum like doesn't like the fact that he's gay. Everything goes wrong because she doesn't give a shit because it's ruining her night. Mm -hmm. This is her night. She's in the spotlight. She has the power. And as uh, she goes on about this, she steps forward into him, pushing him back, and the camera pushes in forward, so it becomes a center frame, her center frame in a close-up, showing that she's now in the power. And in in the son's reverse, she's stepped into the frame, and now it's her over the shoulder, and he's minimalized, smaller than her. It's good good linking now. Yeah, yeah. It's like... There pushing are in few... the power of the frame and um, sort of the subjective versus objective like views and everything as well. Absolutely, yeah. there are a few other moments in the film where he does similar techniques, mm. uh, specifically when uh, Harrison uh, comes out after the uh, the drug out scene, and uh, he does a similar thing where he ends up becoming center frame and everything else is pushed to the background. And yeah, it's an interesting way to explore themes. Well, also, smart. also, um, Shane goes on and explains it further as well when um, he has the mother explain that Simon accepted the role of Laertes just to to 
you know, kind of step aside so that role of Hamlet would go to the lead player. So, you know, we already know that relationship because of the way Simon has, or because of the way Shane has constructed it in the film. But then there's that little bit of explanation later on that ties the story in as well. Yeah, very mm-hmm. nice. Um, we've already touched on a bit, but the uh, Shakespearean element and how he uses that, in the, like, uh, it's it's kind of pretty overt, especially once you notice it. Is um how each one of the main characters is, uh, you know, an archetype of one of the uh, one of the Shakespearean great Shakespearean tragic yeah, totally. uh, characters. Um, for example, uh, the Roman and Simon is a Romeo and Juliet comparison. Uh, uh, Harrison is Hamlet. It just occurred to me their names are done with the same thing in it as well. Um, Jemima is Othello. Uh, Pam is Macbeth, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, the way and throughout the story, uh, each of those characters end up either referencing quotes from Shakespeare, like you said, bringing that text back. Um, except for, of course, Harrison, because the play they're playing is Hamlet anyway. He doesn't have any overt Hamlet things. It's uh, expounded out. Uh, there is obviously, you know, the very fun incest scene. No. How, how did you you feel about that, Jeff? No, I knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Oh, was, yeah. that, was that because you know Shakespeare? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, cool. Um, I know Shakespeare goats. <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare goats. Kids movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Having have I've taught quite a bit of drama in the past, so yeah, I'm familiar with a lot of Shakespearean text as well. So yeah. Um, it would have been. Uh, I think too enticing for Shane to leave it out. I think that was an opportunity. <laughs> There's an opportunity to, to, to yeah. add a little bit, you yeah. know, a little bit more edge to it. So I think yeah, that's why it was included. I, yeah, I'm not saying it was absolutely telegraphed and you could tell it was coming whatsoever, but I was expecting it. So that was good to see it come to fruition. It, it's a fun moment that I, I feel like people who know Shakespeare see coming. And I always wonder how people who don't know Shakespeare like if it's like seated well enough that they can see it coming. Cause like, I noticed like the music cues and everything as it's leading up to that moment are really like playing with what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And because like I have the phone, I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> I know this is happening. Uh, I can see it. And I'd really like to know if like the normies can, uh, can Aww. see that coming. Um, you know, uh, special trust. Anything else normies. we want to talk about on the, uh, Shakespearean, Shakespearean relevance? No, Cool. In that case, we'll, we'll move, move on to uh, his use of color and the cinematography in the film. Because mm-hmm. uh, color, I know, like uh, as like if you listen to, I think our last episode, Shane will talk a lot about uh, Guillermo del Toro and his use of color. Yeah. And this was like the importance of color in a frame. Yeah, like, just- this was Shane's chance to really use color a lot. And I, I know, like since then, he's used it a few more uh, times. Uh, but like th- there were very specific things I only noticed this time, like uh, both. Roman and Jemima, uh, which is Danny Hahn's character, they uh, both coded with Marone the whole time because they're the two of the most, they're, they're the two characters that are manipulating everyone mm. and ma- manipulating mm. oh. the scenario. Uh, obviously, Rita uh, playing, what's and Rita's the- character's name? I never remember. I just I know her as Rita. That's continuing on. Ophelia. Ophelia. Yeah, Ophelia. Uh, with Ophelia's character, she. Um, uh, she starts off green at the start because you know she's very jealous uh, of envious, what, yeah, envious yeah, what, yeah. what's happening. Yeah. And then once that moment, once the Ophelia scene happens, and she's like, right before it happens, she's got like a red bright backlight. red backlight, backlight on backlighting, her. Yeah, and yeah, once that part happens, That's the she's other always thing. In if red. If you tie into the theme of like the spotlight and the lust for that, like the themes, like the manipulation of a spotlight, because it's always yeah. seen as appears as red as well. Yeah, so that works yeah. In as well. uh, you, you see that a lot uh, when they're on stage as well. It's mm. always got the uh, the spotlight is like a key thing mm. uh, that, that's exploring that theme. Um, I think that was less of Pat, more of the guy who was controlling the spotlight because mm-hmm. he I, I know uh, he was like kind of just like following what's happening badly on purpose, which was fun. Was the guy who's controlling the spotlight the actual actor that was out there as well? Or was that just like another? No, no, no. that uh, the guy. Uh, you know, in the audience scenes uh, where mm. where there was a character sitting next to Justin who's, like, annoyed the whole time. Yeah. He was the spotlight <laughs> guy. Um, but, yeah, the, the use of spotlight was very much doing in that thing. But I know for a fact it was also very practical because there was no one in the audience. So they just shone a bright light into the camera so you can't tell there's no one in the audience. Yeah. Um, Jeff, anything to add on Color. Color. Anytime, anytime you start looking at color in film, um, mm. one thing that 
is uh, a stark reminder to me is the fact that uh, I see things differently than anybody else being colorblind. Oh, cool. Now, oh, as oh a, that's interesting. As a, um, as a film teacher, and particularly as an editor, when you're color balancing, uh, <laughs> you're kind of always second-guessing yourself, thinking, yeah, that looks really good. Uh, I'm not really sure if it does, but I'm going to think it is. Um, but there, there is a book that I came across quite, quite a number of years ago, and uh, I know JMC Academy has it in the library. Yeah, um, hey. And it's called uh, If It's Purple... Someone's going to die, and it's by an author named Patty Bellatoni. And um, it's a really excellent read. She's got chapters in there on every uh, gamut of color and how certain um, certain types of film use it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, as foreshadowing, as reflective of character development. And it's uh, it's a really good read. So if you haven't uh, haven't come across that, have a bit of a search. And uh, and pick it up because you know it's not that uh, it's not that long, but some of the examples and and um, some of the photos from films in there make it really um, really obvious to you. When you when you start watching another film, it'll you'll just be analyzing the color in the film all the time. So right. you know there's a, there's a lot of pluses in there yeah. too, and easy to apply it to your own films as well. Yeah, um, of course. Uh, yeah, I know they had the very key um, uh, background, which was always changing color depending on the mood of the scene. And that was kind of a happy accident. They didn't know they had that until they came to the theater. And they're like, oh, we've got a big background that we can make any color. So they, uh, it, it specifically never shows red until the final scene because everyone's going to die. Uh, it's funny you say that if they're wearing purple, uh, you know, you're going to die. There wasn't much people, many people wearing purple, was there? No, was, the, um, was... the main cover of this book that I mentioned is actually... Um musical Chicago and oh, uh, no. it's a picture of Catherine Zeta Jones on the, on the cover. Yeah. Right. Um, so if you've seen Chicago, mm-hmm. um, you know, the use of color in that it's yeah. very subtle because, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've got a lot of the, you've got uh, Chicago depicted kind of in evening scenes and in jail and, and all that kind of stuff. So you don't really, it's not a film that you step into. It's not like you're watching something from Bollywood yeah. where you're seeing orange and yellow and vibrant color and everything mm-hmm. like that. A lot of times it's more subtle, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it, it uh, it makes a strong argument for it. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, I know Rekha and Hull was strongly inspired by Chicago, specifically the cinematography. I know there are a few moments that are specifically stolen straight from Chicago, mainly because I've seen sense. his uh, mood reel, which was you know a lot of Chicago. <laughs> uh, I guess that's what happens when you have like a what a film ins- set in. The you, do you stage. know at all what inspired like the opening like Wanna? Why why it was um, that way? Is that just to establish the, the time, the pace of the time? or Yeah, it's, it's really to get for... you in the mind of the fact that everything's real time. Mm. So everything in that first moment, there's no cuts or no, you know, obvious yeah. cuts uh, th- to get you in the, the feeling of, oh, this is all real time. This is what's happening. Mm. And it's also to show the layout of the yeah, so, you, yeah, so you get definitely. an idea of the yeah. geography, yeah. Uh, which is funny because I know one of the visual effect cuts uh, which was when he opens the door to go into the dressing room, there's actually a whole staircase uh, and fire exit to get down to that dressing room, which didn't look good on film. So they cut, got rid of it. Uh, and if you look at technically the layout of the theater, Doesn't make sense. that dressing room is in the middle of the foyer. <laughs> so oh, a little bit awkward there. Um, how, how did you feel about it, Jeff, going for that long take? Because it's a 22-minute quote-unquote yeah. shot. Well, you, you kind of think back to Orson Welles. You think back to, particularly, I thought with the crowd, with people mm. and moving around. I, I thought of uh, Robert Altman's film Nashville. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, and twenty-two minutes. I was I was mindful of the time watching mm. it. I was mindful. I was thinking, mm, interesting, still going. Okay. Oh, I don't mind that. Still going. Ooh, yeah. I don't mind that. That was my part, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, but it it was a, that's what I mean. It was a challenge, but it I think when you do that, particularly when the camera's moving, mm-hmm. uh, tracking, you're taking the audience somewhere, and I think that's important. Uh, yeah. And I think it was probably important to Shane to actually take the audience with um, Harrison into the dressing rooms, into the hall, um, and as you say, like the the audience gets a feel for where they are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm relating it with, mm, yeah, smaller theater. Okay. I can see. And I, I'm, I'm relating it to past experience. I'm thinking it kind of looks like La Boite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, and, and you, you do that or Gardens Point. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And you kind of get um, 
that familiar feeling. So I think it probably puts uh, the audience at ease a little bit too, especially if they're um, familiar with the theater kind of environment. Yeah, cool, mm. cool, cool, cool. Yeah, definitely geography wise it's very useful but also like character wise it's like Harrison entering his domain this is like his his moment and then he's just like no this is fucked I've got to deal with this the floor's wet what and that's, this is set up for payoffs later it's yeah. just setting like, and that's another yeah. thing it does uh, pretty much everything in the film is set up throughout that mm. uh, sequence, sequence yep. uh, no matter how subtle or whatever because I know I never noticed until this time watching that uh, Jemima which is Danny Hahn's character finds the pills during that scene. Uh, and yeah. there's another scene later on where she's reading all of the things in the back of it to list off all the problems, uh, all the side effects of it. Um, but yeah, of course there's my excellent foreshadowing of the, of the light, which is <laughs> the key. I like to think that my character is the reason the film ends. <laughs> Are you the trickster God of this film? Yeah. Them. Yes, I am. Mm. Uh, I, I came in suspicious. <laughs> I did it on purpose. Probably. Um, how do you find the geography of the uh, theater? Because I know Shane was really worried about the wings of the uh, of either um, of the theater, everything on stage, and because everything's happening on the side of stage. Was it absolutely clear where things were happening? I know there's one bit that I feel like I only know because I was working. I know exactly where that theater is, which was when uh, Harrison was like, "Where the fuck's Pam?" and Pam's standing in a corner looking out at him and you're like, Oh, why doesn't he see Pam? I knew the layout of that particular area mainly because had a bunch of like markings on the rule. There was like a big Ula, which is from war of the world's musical, the greatest musical ever made. Mm -hmm. uh, there was also like a, a deathly hallows thing. So I just remember that corner very well. How did you two feel about that? W was that well established enough or did you I mean ever feel lost in the geography? No, I think you suspend belief. I think you yeah. just cool. you know could, could like figure it out. So it could be, be behind like, a scrim, yeah. like yeah, in the wings, little room at the back where they keep the props. Like the, a lot of theaters yeah. are different, and, and yeah, yeah, there is the general structure. Um, and some theater have some theaters have quite a lot of room in the wings, and some have mm -hmm. very shallow. So realistically, I think you know if you're you're involved in the story, that's what Shane achieves. He gets you involved in the story, so you're able to not be as analytical when it comes to the um, space. Yeah. Mm. Cool. The, um, <laughs> wait, wait, you guys, cause I always notice it because I was there uh, when my character and Pete's character, I don't ask me the names. I know we were stagehands. We were Joe and John. I still don't know which one I was. Uh, but when we were asked to look for um, Simon and we like, just look under the table and stuff. <laughs> did you guys realize that that, box of walls they were right behind that fucking um i kind of i kind of thought you know um in the layout i'm thinking well they're not too far away and actually i think when you're other when the other character opens the door and looks through there i'm thinking oh has someone put a little stage door there to that other little area so i was kind of thinking mm, gonna mm. find him no oh that that door looked like a real door yeah oh, I oh no it was it a, a stage joke. door like a like a <laughs> like a theatrical door yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but it cool. could have been actually blocking off another little section that's okay what I was cool thinking. yeah so I didn't pick that. Oh, that's cool. No, nah, cool. Uh, I, I've always picked it up, and I'm yeah. like, they are literally because I, I didn't realize when we were shooting because we shot those parts so mm. far apart. So I'm glad I never actually went to the wall and like looked behind it. We were just doing whatever we were. Um, but yeah, when I watched the final movie, I was like, oh wait, they were like right next to us. How did we not hear them? <laughs> you're, um, you're baked. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> we were so baked, just buzzed out. Um, what other themes can we just, I, I think like there's probably something to say about sexuality throughout the film because sexuality is such a huge part of theater. Mm -hmm. uh, anyone who's worked in theater, everyone's fucking backstage. It's well, very it's, awkward. Uh, we know it's a no, it's Shane's commentary on certain happenings in his life and <laughs> yeah. everything. So it's definitely in the of that. Um, but no, it plays a huge part in both mm. like Shakespeare and like, yeah, just in general and like storytelling and, and Shane's story as well. Like the, mm. the idea of sexuality and power and how sexuality can be used for yeah. power. Because that's pretty um, much all, uh, what's his name? Uh, fucking Roman. Roman does. All Roman does yeah. is he uses his sex for power mm. throughout but the that, entire that thing. also feels like very telling of real life at how it's like, oh, let's sleep with the director or something. Let's get that to get ahead. And <laughs> I feel like the like, director's the only person he didn't sleep with. Yeah, yeah. Because the director that we know was of. <laughs> not involved with all that. That, that. We, that we know of. He's just like, oh, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Uh, Jeff, any words on sexuality? I think it comes, I think the key word is power yeah. in the theater. And, you know, if you, oh, if you look at it is um, some recent examples in Australian theater, 
think about Rocky Horror, the Rocky Horror music. Yeah, of course. Uh, Rocky Horror Pit. What is it? Rocky, Rocky Horror, Horror Show. show. Rocky Picture Show. Is it picture, picture Show when it's, it's the play? Show. Oh, I always thought it yeah. was just the show when it's not the movie. Rocky Horror Picture Show and, and Craig McLaughlin and the uh, accusations yeah. there and mm-hmm. him vehemently defending them and stepping down and all that. You know, realistically, how can um, that kind of star power not go to someone's head? And you see it in the director as well. You know, uh, yeah. Um, you have people who want to aspire to be a director, not because they um, want power, but because they want to control things. And I think along the way, you add a little bit of power, you add a little bit of power. This is my first film. Cool. It was all right. This is my second film. All right. Now I know what I'm doing. Now I'm, I've got more power to to suggest what's going to happen. So I think it kind of goes hand in house. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We've, it really brings it back to that key theme of power. Because like the way Pam is trying to control the show and all that all comes together very nicely. Uh, what what do we think could have been done better? Fuck you, Shane. Second <laughs> to take a breather off of that. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Shane. Yeah, is, is there anything mm. in the film that we feel could have been explored better or <sighs> done better in any way? Personally, I feel the VFX could have been done better if just because he didn't ask me to do them. Oh, he, he asked me it, to do... Uh, are you saying this is a power issue? You it wanted is. <laughs> no, because yeah. at the time, uh, he didn't know I was good at VFX. He did know I was doing a course for it, and he, he gave me two VFX shots to to do. And uh, they're, in the, they're, they're not in the movie, uh, mainly because uh, I didn't have red, co- uh, red Gamma Code 4 on my computer. Okay. So it totally fucked up the color, but they, they weren't necessary visual effect shots. Uh, there was one where um, when two characters are talking on stage, there is clearly a character in the wings. Now that particular actor was actually Scott, um, Scott Driscoll, who's not on stage at the time. He's in the mm-hmm. audience, but you can't tell who it is. And it's a theater. It's totally reasonable that there's someone standing in the wings. So much of the movie is someone standing in the rings. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, they didn't use that shot. And I can't remember what the second shot was, but there was little like fix up things like, Ooh, there's someone in the wings, get rid of them. Um, yeah. um, just from memory, just the changing room, a lot of white. <laughs> A lot of white in the changing yeah, room. Yeah, I felt like that was very glaring for me on like every watch I've had. And then I know it's like just the small segment of like other things, but what, what, yeah, the thing of the criticism, like if mm. I could think about it, it's just like that white wall. It's so much white. And it's like, yeah. I don't know if it was necessarily just because of out of like budget or out of like materials or yeah. whatever, or whatever his reason, if he had a reason to make it white. For like, let's think of some thematic reasons why like, why the room is white. But like, <laughs> then I'm just giving him. I'm just I'm so ashamed. Yeah. Like that white changing room just pisses me off every time. So I really like the yeah. use of the mirrors in there. There's that one bit where yeah, the nice. where Danny finds the um she's looking for the drugs and Chris asks why mm-hmm. or what she's doing and she pulls out the tampon and like the yeah. entire time he's in shot and they're like technically looking at each yeah. other but he's in the mirror yeah. and they turn it. I do like the use of that but yeah, yeah. totally agree with White Room. Your mm-hmm. White Room sucks, Shane. Who was your prod designer in that? <laughs> um, Did like, she work on anything good recently? Pizza Deliverance. <laughs> yeah, Pizza yeah, I was going to say. Um, yeah, I'm not saying like, it is sort of accurate because like uh, being behind food of myself, yeah. like it, it's, not, it's not like I'm guessing he was going for accuracy's sake, but like just for film's sake, it's just it, it's very yeah. bland. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, anything else? Yeah, uh, memory, no, not really. I know Jeff has. Uh, Jeff, and, and, he's stroking a cat. Sorry, I'm just petting the cat. <laughs> no, that's reasonable. There um, could have been more cats in the movie. That would have been better. <laughs> um, Ophelia's it, drug-induced state lasted <laughs> too long for me. Cool. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know the timing on it, but um, look, some of some of the effect of it, like the little infrared heat sensor stuff and yeah. like out of focus and that was good that was good but i was expecting that to come back um quite a bit shorter mm-hmm. in duration uh and i know there are certain reasons that um directors decide to hold a shot and that's to disturb the audience and make them feel uncomfortable and empower them to make you know uh a certain judgment and uh we see directors do that all the time so if that was an attempt to do that then yeah, I'll pay that. That's no worries. But, <laughs> it did make you feel uncomfortable. But I still was like, oh my god, I don't want. To. Yeah, okay. I, mm. I felt like um, taking a really long blink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like what it was was the scene between uh, Ro- Roman and Ophelia, whose character we can't remember. Um, I felt like that bit just went on for too long. 
I feel like the start of it was fine. The end of it was fine. It was just that one big moment between those two characters. I feel like it could have been shorter or more concise. Mm. I know a lot of stuff happened in that scene, but I feel like that's where it started dragging. Uh, anything else? Um, no, I've, I think overall, like, there's, there's this, like, little, like, dragging moments, like, at little points to, like, where it's just like, oh, this is going on for too long, but I feel yeah. like that's just the real, that's sort of the element of, like, everyone just being, emphasizing everything and going on. It's mm-hmm. never stopping and no one, like, like, every character's, like, very selfish and they don't, like, shut up or, like, and this is, yeah. this is some little dragging moments, but nothing really glaring for me. I feel me. like they could have been more of the stagehands. Uh, we oh. did get a scene <laughs> cut. Which oh, okay. I was glad to hear that he mentioned on the uh, what he, on the on the director's commentary. What was it? Uh, it? It was just a scene. It was my solo scene. So Pete had one solo scene, and I had a solo scene, and that was the one they fucking cut. Oh. Which was after Justin, uh, sorry, after Harrison strangles, uh, uh, what's his face? No fingers. No fingers. No fingers. He, uh, <laughs> he he shoved him out the door, and he walks behind backstage, and I'm meant to go out again with the ladder complaining about the light, the fact that the light's still hanging down. It was it was really just a scene to make sense that it took that long for him to get to the uh the room, the, the dressing rooms and the next yep. scene, but also to reiterate the problem with the light. I know when I've seen it with audiences, the moment Rita shoots the gun for the final time, they remember the light. D- did you remember the light at that scene, Jeff? Oh, I remembered it was a bit dodgy, yeah. Yeah, yep. cool. And because I remember I saw it with Sean Coglin, and like as soon as she shot the gun, he was like, oh my God, Chancellor, you've killed them all. And I was like, yes, yes, I have. Glad you remembered. <laughs> my key moment was killing everyone. Uh, I like to think Excellent. that my character was one of the ones that didn't die because technically you don't see me die. I, I get snatched away. <laughs> you snatched away. Just peek. Pete doesn't die either, does he? Pete or? gets kicked in the face. Yeah. I think he's got more of a chance of dying than me because I just got a hand to the face and never seen again. So mm. I could come back in the sequel. Who knows? <laughs> uh, what, what do we think of all the death? Was it necessary? Was it too much? Was it not enough? Do we need more death? Look, I, I don't think the the risers on the stage were high enough to really knock off the three or four of the characters. That <laughs> fell off. Like, oh, yeah. A oh, bit of a bump. Yeah, um, you're not moving. Not hurt. Um, oh, bit, Chris, bit more of a bump. Chris Charteris moves. Uh, I noticed that because uh, it cuts back to him and he's just like kind of moves a bit. So it's like, okay, he's okay. Mm. I, I feel like it's because... Maybe not everyone, everyone's not dead because it's leaves. Like the fear to close. Well, as I understand, the idea was uh, morality. Whoever has questionable morality dies, which is why Shane is... Shane reckons me and Pete died because we got the 15-year-old girl high. Mm. Roman died because he's fucking everyone and breaking hearts left, right, and center. Uh, Ophelia died because uh, she's a bitch controlling in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jemima dies because she's manipulative. Pam dies because she's blah, blah, blah. Harrison dies, obviously. The audience die because they're making fun of a shitty play. Disagree with that, I think. Yeah, I think the not, audience were fine. They shouldn't have died. That's mean. And but- this this is the point in the podcast where you go, damn, I really should have went back and watched the movie before I listened to the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Literally everyone dies. Uh, one guy snaps his fingers, half the cast dies. It's like Infinity War before fingers Infinity War. Fingers get cut off. Yeah. Fingers get cut. Oh, well, that's in the trailer. Mm. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and the morality is that Chris Charteris and Merv Marriott, who both have character names that I don't remember, uh, they... Don't die because they didn't do anything wrong. They were just bad actors. That's all. Yeah. Uh, same with, I think, Tim's Tim character. Tim, Tim doesn't die. I don't, I don't think, think he dies. No. Yeah, he's the tall, silent ghost character who's got a few lines, uh, but mainly remembered for his tall ghost character and eating an apple. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think he dies. Yeah, death. That's fun. <laughs> Anything else we want to talk about this, or should we move on to our top five? That's fives? a good point to end That's on. That's a good point <laughs> to end on. So with that, we're going to move on to our top fives. And this week with a Shakespearean film like this, we're going to discuss our top five Shakespearean movies. Oh. So any Shakespearean movies will do. Um, <laughs> any will do. Josh, do you want to go first? Or oh, like, shall look, I go first? Or look. Jeff, do you have five? Look, I wasn't thinking of five. I was, I was thinking I would give you one. <laughs> yeah, same. Is there, like, there's there's, one there, there's a one? lot of like fillers. I can give you one from high school that I watched. You haven't watched any good Shakespearean movies, um, Josh? Not really. Well, let's Unless start you with count you. people like Dead Poets Society, where they're playing Shakespeare characters and like in it. And um, like I reckon that, that. 
I, I reckon, yeah. Features, but I reckon like, Red Curtain Hell would qualify. Okay. It's not on my list. Fuck Red Curtain Hell. Man, it was a shit movie. Shane sucks. Uh, but Jeff, you've got your <laughs> one. <laughs> well, no, I thought about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, um, Tom Stoppard did Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Excellent. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that hammers home the the whole idea that um, you know, there's a stat out there that very close to 50%, if not 60% of uh, films being made are based on previous content, either comics, yeah. legend, myth, fairy tales, um, plays, etc. Um, and I think you can take a couple of characters from a play like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and create a story that still really relates back to the um, to the playwright who created the characters in the first place. So, Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, Gary Oldman, like quite a quite an exceptional film. Oh, it is definitely really there. It, it was in my uh, honorable mentions, but that's at least one thing I don't have to bring up. <laughs> Yay. Uh, great movie, though. Really fun. Well, you're both better than me. More cultured. <laughs> Give me your honorable mentions is, is, so I can it, watch more Shakespeare. So. Okay, all right, cool. So... My first one I will mention is one I haven't actually seen. It was just me Googling, what's a, what's a Shakespearean film? And I've got to answer my own up. questions. <laughs> <laughs> this one came up and I was like, how have I not seen it? It's called Joe Macbeth from 1955. It's uh, a, an American crime story that is just a story of Macbeth. I don't, it's, it doesn't say it's considered a noir, but it's black and white. It's crime. I'm hoping it's Shakespearean noir. That sounds super fun. I haven't mm, seen it, but I does. want to. I'll give that a thumbs up before I see it here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let, let's all give Joe Macbeth a thumbs up before we've seen it. Uh, up next, I have Forbidden Planet, mm-hmm. which was a great B-movie, um, and it's based on The Tempest. A lot of people draw comparisons there, so it's not just me. It yes. was also Wikipedia. I did see that too, and I was like, I haven't seen it though. So I'm like, I can't oh, add you haven't seen my... Forbidden Planet? I haven't. I'm pretty sure I've got it on DVD. Okay. I'll lend it to you if I have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be confusing it with Day of the Triffids because I know I definitely have Day of the Triffids. Anyway, uh, <laughs> She's the Man, which was yes, yeah. The well, that's what I could have meant. Yeah, uh, that like, is yeah. a really fun movie. I don't think it's that good no it's, it's terrible but it's a but very it's a fun movie. movie i saw it in cinemas because channing tatum's in it. channing tatum's in it why would i not and um, that famous soccer player who's now an actor who's very angry known for being very angry. oh uh vinnie jones yeah vinnie Who's jones. He in that yeah he's the coach oh sick yeah. that's great yeah um west side story is apparently yep. considered it because yep. it's a romeo and juliet i didn't know that but mm. i love west side story and that's why it's in my honorable mentions because i didn't know it until Wikipedia told me. Uh, Men of Respect, which is another crime version of Macbeth. This is from 1991, starring John Turturro. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting movie. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, and my last honorable mention, which I really regret is not in my top five, is Tromeo and Juliet, <laughs> which is obviously Romeo and Juliet, but made by James Gunn and Tro- uh, Troma Productions, uh, Lloyd what? Kaufman. Uh, so my top five, uh, number five is Anonymous, which is probably the most unique um What's his name? Who's the German guy who makes all the explodey end of world films? Zane, help me here. Um, nope. No, uh, no, Independence Day. Fucking Robins. What? Robins Zemeckis? No, no, not Robins Zemeckis. German, German guy. He's a. He's really. Ah, oh, crap. Why don't I remember? He's guy who made Independence Day in 2012 and uh, day day after tomorrow. This is like his one movie that's not an end of the world movie. That's- it's. Roland Emmerich. So I was close. You, I remember no, Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, uh, Godzilla, yeah. Uh, so Roland Emmerich made this uh, movie about uh, the truth behind Shakespeare, and it's one of his most interesting movies, and it's not an end-of-the-world thing, surprisingly. I was expecting Shakespeare to end the world at the end. He didn't. Uh, number four, I think, is obvious. It's Romeo plus Juliet. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, what do you call him? Fuck, what's Baz his Lerman. name? Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> I love Baz Luhrmann's movies, uh, all of them except for maybe Australia. The first third of Australia I like. Mm. Um, Fun editing in that movie. What's Romeo, that? Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, the best. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's really, really an interesting way to go about. And the fact that it's a modern telling of the exact same story with the exact same dialogue and everything is mm-hmm. really fun. Uh, number three is the Kenneth Branagh version of Hamlet. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite version of that story. I, I know a lot of people... Uh, cite the one starring uh, not Russell Crowe, Mel Gibson. A lot of people cite that one as the best. I disagree. I, I reckon disagree. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on Branagh. Branagh. Branagh is the he's the study. He's he's, he's oh, the king absolutely. of Shakespeare. Study. I yeah. I limited myself to one Kenneth Branagh, and that's because that one I think is his best. Uh, uh, the number two is The Lion King, which is of course once again Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, great movie. 
I think we all love Lion King. Yep. And my number one is 10 Things I Hate About You, which is Taming yep. of the Shrew. Uh, I also watched that in high school, but I just love it. And, and I, know, I feel it's... like it's really obviously Shakespeare, but at the same time not, because like throughout the whole thing, they're like talking about Shakespeare. They have a whole class about Shakespeare, and it's really obvious Shakespeare, but I think they lean into it. Uh, they lean out of it enough that it's not obvious. Mm. It's weird. And great performance it. by Heath Ledger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Heath Ledger. So, no, it had to be there as well. That yeah. It was in my head. I was going to throw it out there if it wasn't touched on. And, and, and what it is, is, you know, it is taking the traditional and it's almost like having John Hughes um, <laughs> yeah. teenagerify it. Yeah. You know, for yeah. that generation. Yeah. Kind of disappointed John Hughes didn't do more Shakespeare remakes now. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Uh, and Josh, what is your oh, look. <laughs> what's your top one? Top one? Oh, I can do more than one. Um, <laughs> Off like the top of your head, go. Yeah, yeah. Or The Hamlet by, um, with, what's his name? Kenneth Brunner. Yep, yep. Oh, that is, my favorite moment from that is, it's very cheesy. This is when he's on top of the mountain and it's just, it just zooms out and it's just, uh, um, also Othello with Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Kenneth Brunner's in that as a Iago. That was a fun ride. Um, Lion King, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Ten things I hate about you. There's, there's a lot of good stuff. I just yeah. didn't know what to pick because it's like, oh god. Forbidden Planet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Forbidden so, Planet is great. Yes. You well, should watch I, it. I, I will watch it. I promise. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, nothing new that we haven't discussed already. Oh, like. what was your number one? What was your one you were going to mention? Oh, it was going to be like one of the stuff I just mentioned. Oh, okay, cool. So, Excellent. We will never know which one. <laughs> we just know it's. One of them. It's a mystery. Oh, mystery. Well, I think that's a good place to end. Uh, oh, shit. I can't remember how Shane signs these things off. You can find us on Instagram at and Picture Rangers. Facebook at Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. Facebook at Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. You can email us. At, and Twitter, actually. And Mighty Twitter. Motion. Yep, at we're on Twitter. At Picture Rangers. What's our email? Listen to the last episode. We probably have an email at the end of that. Uh, Sorry, we probably <laughs> don't have emails yet, so you should email us. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't already, Red Curtain Hell on Vimeo On Demand slash Red Curtain Hell. Uh, 20% picture off Rangers, using Picture Rangers. That's your code. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Chancester, Josh. You can find me on Instagram at that Sundance Kid and at Twitter on that Sundance KD. That's in all caps. Jeff. Jeff, where can you find Oh, but generous plug for Ripple Beach Media, or as John Star likes to say, <laughs> Ripple, Ripple Beach, Ripple Be- Beach, Beach Media. Media. Uh, yeah. You can find me on Facebook uh, website. And uh, as my 10-year-old son Hudson likes to say, if uh, you have any trouble, just search it up. Just yeah. search it up. Nice. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what I said when I uh, guessed it on your podcast, Zane. I specifically said, just Google me. Because you're just, that famous. Exactly. Well, I'm the only chancer if you Google Stage me. Stagehand so, hey. Joe or John. <laughs> Don't know which one. Yeah. I should have IMDb'd it beforehand. I should have noticed when I was watching the movie last night, but I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, and we'll probably see and you. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Jeff. Yeah, yeah thanks, episode. Jeff, for Pleasure. representing Ripple Meachpedia. And <laughs> uh, we'll Filling see in. you next week. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.